Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Mike the Gardener podcast, sponsored by those lovely people at Natural Grower, who supply plant-based products for both organic and chemical-free gardening and your houseplants. Hello, 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 and welcome back to a very special episode of the Mike the Gardener Gardening Podcast. Well, whether you're into your tennis or not, it won't have escaped your attention that it's Wimbledon Fortnight, the world's most famous tennis tournament, which is taking place as we speak. So, of course, in this week's episode, I head to Wimbledon to talk to head gardener Martin Falconer. And you thought this podcast was just thrown together. Oh, no, no, no. The Championships Wimbledon, or just Wimbledon as it's more commonly referred to, is the oldest tennis tournament in the world and arguably the most famous. Since the first tournament 125 years ago in 1877, the Championships have been hosted by the All England Lawn Tennis and Croquet Club in Wimbledon in London and take place over two weeks in late June and early July. I actually went to Wimbledon in the middle of June in the hectic lead-up to the big event where Martin was working to ensure the grounds were looking in tip-top condition for the players, the spectators and of course members of the British royal family. It was a glorious blue sky day with temperatures in the early 20s. It's the first time I've ever been to Wimbledon but like so many of us I've seen it for many many years on our television screens. And, being a passionate professional gardener and designer, I've always kept a very close eye on the planting around the grounds during the TV coverage, which of course always looks immaculate. Naturally, security at Wimbledon is extremely tight, so having gone through security checks, I was given my pass and telephoned Martin to let him know I'd arrived. Now, Martin and I know each other as he joined me this time last year on my Instagram account when we did a live interview from the grounds of Wimbledon. But this was the first time we had met IRL, as they say, (laughs) or to you and me, in real life. We had a walk through Wimbledon and up to the top of Henman Hill, or Murray Mound, depending on your personal preferences, where we sat down by a gushing water feature, which you can probably hear in the background, and looked out across Wimbledon and onto the magnificent centre court. And of course, having seen it all on television for so long, it all seemed rather familiar, and I must admit to having felt extremely at home sat there. So anyway, enough of me babbling away. Here's the interview with Martin. Well, it's a beautiful day. I'm in Wimbledon. I'm sat with the head gardener of the All England Lawn Tennis Club, Martin Falconer, head gardener here. Martin, thank you for inviting me here today. It's beautiful. No problem. Yeah, you come on a good day. Sunny at Wimbledon for a change. (laughs) (laughs) Just we're sat on the top of Henman Hill. So what is it we're looking at in front of us? So we're looking at our number one court on our left-hand side. Um, and you can see our two uh, living walls that um, are either side of the big screen that everyone sits and, and watches um, all the tennis on when they come to Wimbledon. And then dead ahead centre court. Um, and that is, uh, yeah, that's the kind of, I suppose, the piece of resistance here and uh, covered in parthenocystis, um, 
So, and yeah, and just the grounds generally in front of us, the other side of the hill, ticket resale, everything going on, a little bit crazy. So, we're two weeks away, or just under two weeks away from kickoff. Whereabouts are you? Are you on track? Is it heading in the right direction? It's heading in the right direction. I think we'd like to be a little bit further ahead than we are, but that's generally the case. Uh, there's a few people where we're kind of chasing along because we're doing hospitality areas so we're in we're kind of last in lots of areas so we're always trying to make people work a little bit quicker so we can get in and do our bit we're always last in which uh which is challenging but um yeah no we're, we're in a relatively good place the sun doesn't really help us probably the only guy around Wimbledon walking around wishing for a bit of rain um just because we're then constantly watering a lot, a lot more hand watering um so yeah it kind of puts pressures on again so you say we so it's clearly, or I hope it's not just you. How many people have you got? How many gardeners and staff have you got working here? So I've got nine full-time gardeners. Um, and then we have uh, 10 seasonals uh, that come in and just help us from April through to September, um, ranging from some qualified to some students and just having additional hands for, for all the additional work. So this time of year longer hours or do you have extra help any volunteers how does that work yeah there's lots of overtime um for the guys i will be in as much as possible but if i can i'll stay away um but yeah no it's early mornings um later evenings but um yeah there's uh, there's plenty of opportunity out there to the guys to earn a couple of extra pennies this time of year which is nice for them but um yeah plenty to do so you you, you, how long have you been doing this? Or you've been here for a few years. This isn't new to you. No, it's not. Uh, 20, 23 years um, and head gardener since 2014. So back end of 2014. So yeah, I've uh, I've been been around, seen many changes. Um, yeah, it's uh, it, it's not new. <laughs> so a little bit about yourself then. How did you get into gardening, into horticulture, and how did you get here? So gardening was a little bit of a kind of fell into back early in um, in my career, um, just going around doing general garden maintenance with a company. Um, and then my now father-in-law worked for the construction company here, knew the, the, the head of the contractor then, um, went in and said, um, I know someone was looking for a job, got anything, and he was like, yeah, bring him in. So that was the end of that. So that was the back end of 1999. Um, and, and what did you come in as? What was your first just job? Gar- just, just one of the, you know, gardeners. Nothing, nothing special. I was quite early into my career anyway. I'd been sort of in gardening for 18 months, two years. Um, done a few of the kind of MVQ bits when I was working for the com- previous company, and then, um, yeah, just come into here and full on. And then uh, that, that's it really. So I've dotted around. We was a contractor, so we wasn't just doing Wimbledon. We was doing some construction jobs where we do the planting. We was doing the odd uh, driveway and bit of garden landscaping um, out in the kind of um, winter seasons when we wasn't so busy here. So I kind of got a bit of a, an idea of everything. And did you have any aspirations or dreams to become sort of like head garden here? Had that even crossed your radar? No, not really. And I suppose just being starting to be passionate about horticulture and then just, you know, just evolving with the role and taking I suppose just kind of almost you kind of sometimes just work your way up naturally I suppose with with experience and knowledge and everything else so it's just something that progressed and then um, there was uh, the contractor then was coming to the end of their contract the club were starting to look at 
bringing it in-house because of the master plan and the amount of work that was going to happen and then that just kind of happened and then I was offered the head gardener and I was like well <laughs> okay and I was I was managing I was managing the site before that for the contractor anyway so it was it was a kind of natural um progression there were no sleepless nights over the sort of like the crest to make you head garden you were quite comfortable and yeah, ready no, to take yeah, it no, fine yeah, yeah I felt that you know actually I felt that there was some that was a really good opportunity because there were some improvements that could be made and being in-house with the All England Club and probably hopefully then thinking I'll have a bit more money to spend and you know that kind of uh, that kind of thing thought we could make a difference so yeah no that's that's kind of that was kind of a, a an easy decision now of course this time of year must be manic must be mad for you so we'll come back to Wimbledon but what's it like outside of Wimbledon what's your job like then um so we've got 42 acre site to look after and we've got a couple of other venues outside of this so we're looking after a 42 acre site where it's a members club so um there's tours so there's probably I think last time I asked for about 90 to 100,000 people come in the site for tours every year throughout the year so the site's always got to look at, you know, what we call a higher standard. So it's it's kind of kept, um, although it's not so much of a, a show like it is for Wimbledon, mm. but it's, you know, it's kind of high-end, kind of managed landscape for everyone that's coming to view. So you're responsible for the ground. So who makes decisions about what you're going to plant, again, outside of Wimbledon? Who's responsible for all of that? Yeah, so again, that's 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 me, um, and and not just me. Joint from the team, we kind of experience things that work, things that don't work throughout the year. So we're always kind of batting ideas off of each other for next year. We should try, and that kind of happens. And then we will any bigger decisions, bigger movements we want to make, new planting schemes, new new areas. We'll we'll take that to some of the um, the directors and hierarchy and put the the ideas forward and then hopefully get the budgets to do it and that's that's kind of the way it works and that sits quite comfortably with you are you quite sort of like comfortable doing that and making propositions and you know things like climate change to consider these days yeah climate change sustainability we're pushing we're doing a lot of our we're recycling all of our green waste now um that we produce from the garden inside um yeah so just pushing those along um, climate change you're looking at then different plants that work in when hot weather like this you know we, we use a lot of hydrangeas not ideal when we're getting you know 30 degree days that we're promised at the end of this week um, but you yeah you just work with with that and yeah everyone's really the, the, the landscaping actually we promote tennis in an English garden so that's quite high up on the list of, of priorities when when we're kind of designing the grounds as well now you must get a lot of feedback about the the gardens and the plants and how they look. Uh, who gives you that feedback and where sort of like who's responsible for then sort of addressing any issues that might come out of it? Yeah, we get we we get bits. We don't get huge amounts, but we get a lot coming through the the comms team. Um, so which is and they're always more complimentary. And they had a great day and a talk and you know coming for Wimbledon and the planting was amazing. So um, lots of bits like that. Not too many compl- not too many complaints or. Or you know we get the odd um, we got the odd people that have got an idea and you know, everyone's got a garden, haven't they? And everyone's got a bit of a kind of an idea or a preference, or they they uh, they like a plant. Why well, don't use it at Wimbledon? But it might be a big orange, yeah, gerber. You know, it's like you know we can't really. It's Wimbledon. We've got to kind of keep in <laughs> into the English garden look. 
you've got some immaculate lawns here as well sort of up on Henman Hill do you are you responsible for the lawn maintenance no fortunately enough we do everything everything but the, if anyone asks it's everything but the grass so uh, yeah I think that uh, that's enough <laughs> yeah because there's there's a lot of lawn here I'm just thinking it's like you must never go home yeah no it would, yeah, I think that would be the case otherwise but yeah no there's a team of um, highly qualified groundsmen that look after the grass and we're everything everything else so Wimbledon this year starts on the 27th of June and this podcast will go out in Wimbledon week. When do you actually start planning for Wimbledon? Is it like the fourth bridge? Are you just continually on a cycle of planning and working it? Yeah, exactly. That's it. You're almost planning for next year. The first day of the championships, you're going around, did that work? Does that look good? And then as the two weeks go on, um, things pop up and next year we're going to, you get lots of other departments next year we're thinking about so there's already discussions with the first day of championships about next year's championships you're like come on we just <laughs> we just got here and uh, but that that's always the way it's been and it's it's always very forward thinking as an organization so there's always uh, there's always a plan for next year so there's a sort of like quite an obvious Wimbledon palette how do you then select plants? Well, what is the Wimbledon palette? Yeah, so, uh, you know, purples and greens is quite quite easy. But, yeah, for us, it's uh, it's about uh, the English garden, I suppose. So that's the, the easiest way. So as long as it feels like we're, we're kind of hitting the, um, the brief of tennis and English garden, then, then that's what I go with. And then we're doing lots of different plant outs. So it's about, you know, plants that work in the really sunny areas. We've got all aspects here, so we've got, you know the areas that are really in the full sun so making sure those are kind of working to to, um, the north facing so there's challenges everywhere Um, but I think it gives us a really nice palette to work with you know herbaceous perennials and bedding plants and there's so much to go with and there's it's not the worst colour to be left with, I think. <laughs> I, I have to say, you're sort of like pushing on an open door. I love purple flowers, I, just for me. And I'm looking just ahead of us. We've got a beautiful smoke bush underplanted with that geranium brookside or a roseanne, maybe? Roseanne, roseanne, yeah. Yeah, no, and it, yeah, like you say, then you've got quite easy combinations to work with. Well, it's easy. Yeah. I, well, I feel it's easy. It's probably not. <laughs> so some of the planting here is obviously permanent planting, but obviously there's a lot of planting that's brought in, especially for the event. So how does that work? And what are those non-permanent plantings? What are they for? So we do lots of hospitality areas. So they're just made up for championships outside of Wimbledon. They're not used. So lots of containers are made up. We do lots of um, we do lots of hiding areas. So what I call our like mini Chelsea gardens. They're not really Chelsea. You know that's that's a, a, a but there there'll be areas that we just put a, a bit of decking in front of and everything in behind the decking is in pots nothing's planted and we're just stacking um, plants up and that would be hide areas to make things look nice there might be a sign and they want it looking nice underneath so there's a huge amount of overlay on top of then all of the that like you say there's lots of permanent stuff um, and that's just to enhance the championships feel. So when it comes to the non-permanent planting, quite a bit. We've looked at some of the containers and stuff that's ready to go out in the next couple of weeks. How do you, when do you start ordering and how do you know the quantities? I mean, I know you've been doing the job for a while, but yeah. where do you start? So lucky enough, from way back, way back when, we've got what I now call my Bible, uh, um, which has literally got every area, every planter, every restaurant, every container, big spreadsheet, just pulls all the information together. Um, and then we know that, that you know from five six weeks out there's areas we can get into so we'll get a delivery that just covers off each area and we're kind of 
work our way around the site doing what we can. So it's a pretty well-oiled machine. Um, can go wrong if, like, currently um, we're struggling with some of the contractors that are building the hospitality areas are running behind, then things start backing up a little bit. So, um, yeah, I suppose <laughs> that it, it just feels like it's quite a natural progression. We'll just continue adding, adding to that big spreadsheet of, of bits and pieces. But So the planting that you use, irrespective of whether it's permanent or it's the temporary planting, the palette of plants there, do you mix it up sometimes or do you stick to a winning formula? Yeah, there's a, there's, well, we've got our, our couple of really key plants that we will use, which is our hydrangea and our petunia in all our hanging baskets and our bedding. So they're quite, they're, they're an easy one to take care of. Um, our hydrangea gives us our start off, lots of blousy flowers, quite a nice bit of structure and then everything kind of works away from there. So is it a specific variety hydrangea no, and petunia? It's a bit of everything. We've got um, anything from petiolaris to paniculatas and then the, the macrophilias in the in the plant outs. And we use uh, a hydrangea called magical amethyst. Um, but we've got, yeah, we've got a bit of everything really, um, hydrangea-wise. Uh, generally purples, but we've got some pinks and we've got some whites. And but um, yeah. And when we came in, there was a, sp- a splot of red um, in the planting there. So tell us about that. Yeah, so in the very southern end of the grounds, um, we, we introduced some red um, back in 2014, 15, the 100th anniversary of World War II. And that's kind of stuck actually. So there's a bit more red in the planting in the permanent beds down there. And then anything we add, the hanging baskets that are in that area have got red petunias in. So so there's a little bit of change around. And in the years that you've been here, have there been any plants that are still here year on year that you just can't do without? The hydrangea, 100%. It's the hydrangea. hydrangea as long as, so the guy that I started working for, Roger Denny, his dad ran it before him. And they were originally just brought into to uh, plant 400 hydrangeas back in the early 50s um, and it's stuck and it's just one of them plants and there's not really I don't think there's anything that's um, that's made the hydrangea be that kind of women and plant but it's stuck and that's that's one we use so in terms of the weather we touched on that I mean it's glorious today which as you say it, it brings issues you've got plenty of work to be getting on with so how do you make sure how do you keep on top of things like watering and feeding deadheading well, yeah. So that 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 we've got to juggle in amongst all of the uh, all of the stuff that we're doing for for the championship. So um, we've got a really good team. Um, we've got lots of automated irrigation. So we're lucky that we can just press a switch and program some irrigations come on overnight. Um, and then I do walk around praying for a bit of rain quite often. Uh, so <laughs> so that that that's the one the one thing. But yeah, it's just you know again a really good team know what they're doing. We literally have one guy that just waters every day, day in, day that's, out. That's their job. And that's that's pretty much their job. And they, they, they actually love doing it. They embrace it. it. And it's actually really important. You know, some people, oh, he just waters all day. But actually, that's yeah. so important. It's, you know, you can't, you can't underestimate that, that one job. <laughs> yeah, I, I know people who sort of like run nurseries and have people, again, employed just to keep the plants watered. Because without watered plants, you don't have a, a nursery. You don't have Wimbledon. It's- no, that's right, yeah. So in terms of, we're say, we're in the run-up now, what's happening? What are the last things you need to do before we open, or you open the doors on the 27th? Yeah, I mean, it is literally just making sure everywhere is weed-free, hedges are cut, planters are in position, um, we're tidy and back in our little yard, everything's out, um, and we're just, we're just, I'm happy and the team are happy that if someone 
you know, when that first person walks through the door, they're kind of wowed by what we've done. If we can kind of go away thinking we've done that, happy, sleep this night, stop. <laughs> so obviously as head gardener, the buck sort of stops with you, but is there anybody else who will walk around here that will actually say, Martin, hang on a second, there's a, there's a few weeds up on Henman's Hill? Yeah, all, all of the staff, to be fair, and I've got a really good senior gardener, Robin, who is my number two, who literally does more of the day-to-day of the team anyway because my job is being more kind of taken over with the admin and meetings and preparing and ordering and everything else that goes on so um, yeah no we are a really good team they know what they're doing they know the expectations they know the quality that we expect as an organization so I think it's pretty well installed from from day one so so the the doors open the public the players come flooding in how do you maintain Wimbledon during the sort of two weeks that the tournament is on? Nice early starts, um, sort of between five and six o'clock um, starting um, and everyone's got an area of responsibility. They go out in the mornings, watering, checking everything, changing plants that have been sat on, believe it or not, um, stood on to try and get a better view of something. Um, it happens and uh, yeah so everyone's got their own and then myself and Robin Marcina we were just literally walk the grounds and just make sure that no one's missing anything fighting any fires if there's any issues um, we'll just tackle them so it's uh, again relatively well oiled machine everyone's got their their area they know what they should be doing and um, it kind of gives everyone that responsibility that they know that that just that one area is tip top so what time do the gates open each day? How long have you got from your 5, 6 o'clock uh, start in the morning? 10.30 they start letting people in certain areas so we can kind of sneak around areas and if we're rushing to get to places but then 11 o'clock once public are in we're out out of the way into the into our area where we've got a little small greenhouse in the yard and we're tidying through stuff and watering back there for anything we need to do. We always have surplus for changeovers as I said those kind of sat on squash plants and so that that that's kind of keeps us busy and then the guys we let them go almost all of them by two o'clock in the afternoon and then there's a few of us stay around for emergencies if they prop up very rarely and um yeah there's a few kind of longer days for myself um doing bits and pieces press like yourself <laughs> everyone gets interested wants to talk about the flowers yeah. which is lovely but um yeah and then uh yeah the two weeks are actually really nice it's you know it's pressure in the morning but it's actually sit back and enjoy all the fruits of the of the labor and um the guys get to do that as well and um once that's over that first day it's just about maintaining and talking about enjoying the fruits of your labor can you sit back and enjoy or are you always casting a critical eye over and thinking oh goodness me i need to deadhead that or that needs watering yeah yeah i do i think i I kind of ease off a little bit for those two weeks but up until then it's like that that we're we're very critical of of what we do but i think once that monday starts if it's not been done i don't think it's going to get done <laughs> you kind of have to just go right we've done we've done all we can if no one's noticed then i think we'll, we'll get away with it have there been any years whilst you've been here where the weather hasn't been on your side and it's been a, a real struggle to get things ready for the tournament starting yeah yeah there has date years past me but we've uh, but but both ways hot and wet we've had some really wet years where you just you just seeing stuff get absolutely smashed a bit so you're like oh, and 
we had a year where we, we thought, oh, we use white hydrangeas, great idea, and then it was a really wet year. And they just went really kind of brown tips, yeah, bit yeah. snotty, and it's just like, oh, what did we do that? But on a sunny year, it wouldn't have been an issue, but typically the year we think, oh, we use more white hydrangeas, um, we had a wet year. So, yeah, there's all, there's always challenges, which is which is probably what keeps us all kind of on our toes and going. There's always something, whether it's weather, um, you know, staff, you know, whatever it's staffing and people being around and... Uh, We've got contractors everywhere that actually, they don't, you know, if the plant's in the way, they don't really care. They're kind of moving it or stamping on it. So there's challenges constantly. So the press are obviously all over the place, sort of like during the tournament. How much coverage do the, the grounds get? Because they're stunning, but as you say, the, the tournament is the focus. But do you get attention for the gardens sort of press-wise? Yeah, definitely. We, we do. We get quite a lot now. And um, they're promoted more by because Wimbledon are doing a lot more of their own stuff with the Wimbledon channel. So it's promoted quite quite highly in there. So, yeah, we get a lot of interest. It's, it's nice. Um, um, yeah. I think, and we get a lot of feedback, and as we said, you know, members are always very, very complimentary. Some of the players, we do get a little bit of feedback, not too much, but the players do occasionally get asked in their interviews, so we've had a couple of instances where... So have you, have you actually met any of the players? Have any of the players come and spoken to you? No. Any budding garden players out there? No, no, they haven't actually, um, but they do always um, pass, and the, old, the older guard, if you like, Tim Hemman, now is on some of the boards, he will always kind of comment, and sort of ask how we're getting on and so um but no we, we, they don't get too much i think they're so focused on trying to win wimbledon that uh, i think they they take it in and i think they if they get asked they do always mention how how lovely the grounds are but and so what about you are you a tennis player do you like tennis i like tennis but i'm not a tennis player i don't follow loads but i watch the slams and then obviously when when they, they come in and watch watch a bit here i'm generally weirdly enough sat in my office doing catching up on emails with the telly on in the background of Wimbledon while I'm in Wimbledon, which is a bit odd. <laughs> do you get to see any of the matches? Do they sort of say yeah. you can go and watch a match? Yeah, there's a, there's some seats that they keep for staff so you can put your name on. And then the, obviously the, the, the courts on the outside of the grounds where you don't need tickets for, you can kind of stroll around in the day and kind of pop your head in and have a look. And it's always that second week when it's a bit quiet. It's quite nice to kind of just try and find a good spot and sit and watch a bit. But, yeah, it's, uh, by then you're just kind of... <laughs> sigh of relief and just find a corner to to hide so a a chaotic two weeks and a very chaotic build-up tournament comes to an end what happens the day after the tournament for you and your team what what are the jobs that need to be done so we are crazily running around taking all of the containers and planters and stuff out of some of the hospitality because they're in really quickly dismantling so it almost feels a little bit of a the guys are a little bit oh really so we're taking all containers plants out um we um all the plants are kind of brought back to an area we have a plant sale for the staff um and all of the money from that goes to the wimbledon foundation and then the wimbledon foundation arranged for lots of community gardens and local charities come in and take all the plants that we don't need to keep for the club okay so that's great really no wastage we, we years past when um uh, you know 10 15 years ago we would be kind of filling bins and skips with plants that we just couldn't do anything with but we've got into a really good routine now of, of communicating with lots of different organizations to come and scoop up um hydrangeas and anything that we don't need to keep in for we do keep an awful lot of stuff in the 
in the ground where we've got um, you know members and tours and you know straight away the members will be playing on all the courts after the tournament so um, it's still a members club so there's still lots of areas we need to keep tip top and I guess having a team of gardeners, the gardeners must love sort of like the plant sale time. I mean, I'm I'm excited already, and I'm not even employed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they do, and it's always like, oh, cannot, and you get lots of questions. The staff are really interested. I think everyone that works here has got a garden that looks pretty much like this place, which is <laughs> which is something I try not to do. Um, but yeah, so uh, yeah, it's it's a really it's a really good. There's yeah, it, it, there's no waste, which is really nice. Literally, that everything goes somewhere. So let's talk about you and your garden. You're qualified. You, tell us what, which qualifications you have. So I have a Master of Horticulture, um, which is uh, yeah, which was uh, three years of um, of uh, <laughs> of slot. And I, I mean, it's a really good qualification, and you know, more for the position I'm in now, the management side as well. It covers lots of lots of different um, parts of that. Um, but yeah, while you're working and you've got a family. And you're doing a three-year degree level course. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a lot of plates to juggle. A very demanding sort of time. And now that you're in the job you are, you've talked about the administration side of things. Is that difficult? You know, you're sat in an office. It's a beautiful day. Your team are out there gardening, and you're pushing a pen or tapping on a computer on a keyboard. Yeah, it's difficult when the weather's good. <laughs> when it's minus three outside, it's quite happy quite happy but yeah I, I suppose with everything part of progression it is um, unfortunately you move out of doing mainly what you love but I suppose there's still an element of preparing and getting this place to, to where it is is uh, it's all part and parcel someone's got to do that that side of it could you loosely I mean how much time do you spend in the office percentage wise do you think just to give people an idea of the split I would split? say probably 80% if not a little bit more um, so Quite a yeah, bit. build up to championships, two weeks of champs, it's kind of out and about. But yeah, um, it, it's less and less actually, less and less. So you, long days here, but you have your own garden at home. Tell us about your own garden at home. And are you head gardener at home? Yeah. or? Yeah, no, I am actually. The, the, the wife's not interested <laughs> at all, which is great. So yeah, it's uh, actually that's where, you know, it's it's quite nice now. to you know, I actually enjoy gardening at home more than... Um, than I than I probably ever did because you know what so the 80 percent here you can put in at home yeah exactly so I you know I have to tell the wife I'm going out in the garden for five minutes and she doesn't see me for the day so um, yeah it's it's nice um, I've got a big garden I've got some young kids so it's not quite probably how I want it but um, it's it's um, planted I would say not too much like Wimbledon um, I am quite quite observant if I go to look for new plants that I don't pick purples and too much green so I'll try and be a little bit out there so I've got more pinks and oranges and stuff like that at home um, but it's really hard naturally I'll pick and say oh that's really nice and it'll be purple I'll like, no, put that back <laughs> so what what how would you describe your garden at home um, then is it I would I would describe it as a little bit hickledy pickledy because I love to just try I, I suppose there's that kind of trialing things in me as well to think that might also although I'm not picking purple I think that could actually work at Wimbledon so um yeah, I've got a nice big lawn. I've got a lovely apple tree at the end with, uh, and I've underneath I've made it into a bit of a veg patch just to kind of try and get my kids interested in growing things. So I don't go mad with grow some cucumbers and some runner beans and eat quite easy stuff. Yeah, yeah. And then yeah. it's just a, you know, again quite a herbaceous perennial mix kind of borders down the side, 
and then a nice big decking area which the wife was adamant we need somewhere where she can just sit and watch me work and enjoy the sun. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean we're sat here by this stunning water feature with a pergola with a wisteria over the top any water features at home? Uh, no I haven't actually there are pain in the <laughs> this one particularly this is really old it's got no filtration um, so we really struggled to keep it clear um, we've had lots of issues so this is due for a good overhaul where we're sitting uh, hopefully after this championships this is one of the projects we really want to get stuck into enhance a little bit and we've got the large oak tree behind us which we want to try and encourage um, less kind of compaction underneath so we're going to move the path and there's some, okay. there's a little bit okay. of project here just uh, it's getting old um, and we just want to encourage um, kind of people to enjoy it but not necessarily kind of you know impact the, the health of the plant so we were talking just before we started recording and you've got a love of carnivorous plants yes I've got a few I started off with the, the good old Venus flytrap and now I've kind of progressed with um uh, yeah, like just a few different bits and pieces, but they're a labour of love because you're always topping them up with rainwater and making sure. I, I actually at Chelsea bought a new one, which name of is completely um, gone. But uh, the lady just told me it needs cold water all the time. It can't sit in anything tepid. It like so now I've got another one that actually is more work than the others. So I'm tipping the water out every day and replacing it with some fresh cold water from the. Uh, oh, that's that is high maintenance because I've got a couple which are just rainwater, but they've yeah. never mentioned anything about cold no, water. Does, I can't remember. I think it's got a common name. It's, it looks like a snake's tongue. So I can't remember. There's a com- anyway. She was just like, can't leave it in tepid water. I was like, oh, great. And I'd already kind of handed the money over at this point. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, that's another one. But yeah, no, I, I yeah, I don't know what I don't know what it is, but it's just a, a little, probably a little bit different again from here. I'm trying to imagine carnivorous plants started around Wimbledon, but I'm not sure. They're not going to work, I don't think. But <laughs> any other any other plant loves any other plant collections that, or collections no. that you've had? No. Uh, so the only thing I do, I am kind of keen to to look at. So I've got uh, an old uh, bonsai, which was my grandfather's who passed away, and me and my brother, who's quite a keen gardener, kind of shared um, a, a couple each. So I've taken a, a really nice white pine. Um, it needs a little bit of work. I showed a picture to a guy on a bonsai uh, stand at Chelsea, and he said, "Yeah, not really a bonsai. You need to do a few bits." So I'm kind of, so I'm going to tackle that. But I'm really scared to kind of. It's, it's my granddad. Yeah, I'm yeah. A little bit kind of on the cautious side. So uh, I've got that bonsai, and I've got a small acer as well. So. And of course, as a head gardener, I guess the family expectation is if you're going to do anything, it's going to be done properly. Yeah, that's right. Everyone comes around and is kind of checking out the garden, and yeah. So, because you're obviously known as being a head gardener amongst family and friends, is there an expectation when people come to your garden that it's going to be sort of like a little mini Wimbledon? Yeah, yeah, I think probably there there is, and they might be a little bit a little bit surprised <laughs> that it's not. But um, yeah, I, I mean, there's always people are keen to know, and there's always questions in it there. What do I do, and how do I look after? And you try and uh, pass on that knowledge. I mean, it's it's beautiful here today, and I can't imagine sort of like it's incredible to be working here what about the future for you can you see a time when you maybe move away from here that sort of like seems impossible to even ask really it yeah it's it's hard it's hard to see i think this place moves so quickly like you finish a tournament and then you're kind of taking everything away and then you're kind of going back around the site making everything look good and then you're in meetings looking at um what's next and we've got a really big project across the road in the in the golf course which is uh a grade two capability brown landscape 
Um, so uh, there's going to be some, hopefully, some uh, grass courts built, a open parkland for public to use. Um, the lake is getting a little bit of a reshape into how Capability Brown would have had it. Uh, it needs to be dredged. So there's a huge, probably, sort of from now till sort of eight to ten year project on there. So actually, um, it's almost like a new a new job. So yeah, see past probably eight to ten years unless they want to get rid of me. <laughs> well, looking at the grounds now and how it is and the job you're doing, I can't see that happening. But that's a, a massive undertaking, and yeah. sort of like you need to get familiar with all of those other things that need to be yeah, tackled. Different, completely different way of managing the landscape. You know, it's going to be lots of you know ecology. Um, management plans tree management plan a little bit different to this side of the grounds that's going to be a, a different challenge in itself so those challenges how do you keep uh, abreast of where you need to be and know what's what it's because you must be learning all the time which we are anyway when we're in gardening aren't we yeah we never stop there that's one thing i don't think we ever will yeah. get to the end of in this industry um yeah and it, it actually is about evolving the, the team and how that how that expands i think which is what worries me more Going forward, I think we've got to look at the structure of the team, how we run both sites, how that all works. I think there's there's a lot of work, and we've already been doing some work with internally with our um, HR department and you know, the, the grounds team as well, because there's going to be another 30 of grass courts to look after potentially. So, you know, all of a sudden your teams are probably doubling in a roundabout way. We've got another, you know, 80 plus acres on top of this 42. So, you know. It doesn't take a lot of working out how many staff you need to manage it. <laughs> yeah, um, any sleepless nights attached to that? Or is, again, is yet. this not... Not, not yet. I think uh, in the next sort of year, I think, uh, you know, they're looking at uh, planning permission now for that, that build. So once it really starts growing some legs and, and you know, spade starts hitting the ground, if all goes well with the, the planning permission, then, yeah, I think that's when maybe there might be a few more sleepless nights but then i guess you're in a sort of a very good position because you're probably well you are the most experienced knowledgeable gardener here you, you are the head gardener so who else could actually just step in well there is yeah and and, and i think that's also about building your team behind you because you need to make sure that if something did happen then you uh, you know you couldn't be at work for a week or two or, or months you know you've got enough experience behind you to to kind of step up if need be um and yeah, that, I think that's quite important not to just you know put yourself out there on your on your own and sort of only you know everything because that's that's quite dangerous in a in a big organisation. Yeah, that's that's just sort of like staff development is key. Yeah, and we're 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 as, we're as, we do as much as we can for the staff in terms of you know we've got so much working at height. You see the guys working on the living wall on scissor lifts. They're they're trained in everything from you know forklifts, scissor lifts, working at heights. We are harness trained, you know, there's so much involved in this site. It's not just kind of planters on the ground. A lot of our work actually, is our time is taken up in working at height. We've got ivy around the centre court that literally a genie's been going around for the last six days just trimming around windows and vents. And so there's so much um, time consuming work in that, in that, which is why we need so many staff this time here. And I guess time consuming, sort of dangerous work, health and safety. And I guess as head garden, you're responsible for all of the legislation, yeah. paperwork. Yeah, we've got a lot of paperwork to fill out before we get a harness on and jump up on there. So, yeah, and the, the team, are, you know, they're well trained. They know what they've got to fill out and then it gets submitted. So it's, it's quite easy. I don't actually have to kind of chase too many. They know before they go anywhere what they've got to do. 
um, you know your checks on your mutes before you use them yeah it's just pretty kind of standard but it all takes time and this is where when you're saying oh I need more staff and they're going mm, and you go well you've got now got two living walls at 250 square metres and you've got one guy on that that's kind of a couple of weeks work and they're not doing anything else and before you know it you're kind of asking for more staff all the time <laughs> so do you have like a, a development path for new gardeners coming in sort of like looking at like the living wall which is stunning i love it with the hookahs and the heavies and different ferns but how do you actually get staff to work up there they just obviously the first day they're not going up on the living wall i'm, I'm hoping <laughs> no no and there's a bit of training but i think you know it we try where we can when we employ it is to get sort of RHS level two or equivalent train so we're coming in with some knowledge so you know a living wall just because it's vertical is not any different than tending to a planter on a floor mm. um, there's some you know there's some little kind of uh, differences in it's not all soil based and there's irrigation in there and you know it's just understanding that there's there's different practices there making sure everyone's just versatile to jump on a gene one of the questions is, are you right with heights? Because there's quite a lot of work at heights. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you get someone yeah. that's a bit like, mm, then you, but, you know, horses for courses, we've got a couple of them that are, would prefer not to be up there, but if they have to, they will. So, you know, we've got uh, members that are kind of, and we, and we train everyone to use pretty much everything. So we, we're not reliant on, one again, one person that can only get up and manage a living wall, because if they're off for a few weeks or something happens, then everyone can just dip in and, and do, do whatever's needed so for any gardener coming in here new it's a great learning ground sort yeah. of like so many things to learn and you're quite well placed if you want to move away from here yeah. to go on somewhere exactly. else yeah and I, I i always find myself if i'm interviewing someone almost selling the job and i'm thinking who's interviewing who here but and and it's all about because we're doing hospitality so we're doing overlay stuff we're doing obviously a a, a year-round maintenance so you're learning all your kind of basic horticultural kind of um, skills and then you're getting to use machinery from forklifts to genies to you know working at height putting harnesses on so there's it's such a wide range and I don't think you would get that in many other places I would imagine you you've worked here for however long and you go to a, a job look for a job somewhere else to have this on your CV must be incredible yeah I think so I, I, and I, I don't I haven't been out there looking for too many other jobs so um, I, I would like to think if uh, if I do ever need to kind of go somewhere else that it stands me in good stead um, and obviously qualifications help that was a, a good and the, you know the club are really keen for me to kind of get that um, get that behind me so um, they supported me with all of that which is really good and they and we do the same with the, with the rest of the team they're training they'll have a training level two if they haven't got it or progressing to level three RHS at the moment so I think yeah that for me sort of like looking at the next generation of gardeners gosh what an opportunity to be 18 years old again haha and come here for a job and learn the trade yeah and I think that that's one of the things actually that going forward I think will be possibly uh, uh, an option is to look at apprenticeships because we're going to need so many staff and actually finding finding qualified staff is is been a little bit of a challenge in the last sort of uh, 18 months we've had three full-time positions across the organization in the gardening um side horticulture side and we've probably had about eight or nine applicants since january wow. which isn't you know if you ask other people you know recruiting how many applicants yeah just yeah with, with 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 stuff but in obviously different guys so i think we'd love to be able to promote horticulture train people up and then give them the opportunity to if we can keep them and if not go off into the into the 
gardening world and it's a win-win really isn't it you've got great staff and you're sort of like putting great staff out there in the world of horticulture yeah exactly and i think it is it is one of those um trades that feels like it's uh it's it's dying off a little bit we've got to try and encourage these youngsters and actually i think now with you know sustainability and um you know just so much more especially with covid as well i think people interested in the outside world yeah definitely yeah you know i think it's probably a good opportunity to tackle it now and try and get get people interested what next for you you're obviously very settled very happy here a lot of work to do um a book (laughs) definitely a holiday um a couple of weeks away from this place trying to switch off i bet you miss it when you go away yeah, yeah, well, yeah. Sometimes I think by the end, by the end of the summer, sort of August time, I'm ready for yeah. two weeks. I'm ready for two weeks sitting there yeah. by a pool somewhere with a cold beer in my hand. Um, <laughs> it sounds really nice. Reminiscing. <laughs> so you, a lot of knowledge, a lot of experience, seen a lot happen here. Yeah. Yeah, there's a book there, surely. <laughs> yes, yeah, time. I think uh, writing my ten thousand word dissertation was uh, was a struggle for me. So <laughs> I'm not sure, but maybe. If someone wants to come and help me, there's an opportunity. Oh, I'll have a word afterwards. <laughs> Martin, thank you so much for taking time. It's crazy busy for you. I appreciate you taking time out to have a chat with us today. No problem. been a pleasure. And wish you all the best for Chelsea 2022 and 23 and going forward. Thank you. Cheers. Well, did you enjoy that? Even if you're not a tennis fan, I bet you found that as fascinating and enjoyable as I did. I'd like to thank Martin for giving up his time in the very pressurised lead-up to Wimbledon and for sharing so much information about what goes on behind the scenes to make the grounds and the planting so quintessentially English and so wonderfully Wimbledon. After our chat, Martin took me for a tour of the grounds and I had a very privileged opportunity to have a really close look at the planting, the living walls which are absolutely breathtaking, rose arches and the fantastic array of planted areas throughout Wimbledon. As you can imagine, it's just beautiful, it's perfection. For me, it was like walking into the most amazing Chelsea flower show garden, but on steroids. And of course, in the middle of this Wimbledon show garden sits the iconic centre court, which I was very lucky to be taken to. As we walked up the steps and onto centre court, the hairs on my neck literally stood up on end. So much history and so many magical moments have been created in this space. And of course, we'll all have our own memories of seeing our favourite tennis players crowned Wimbledon champions there. I took loads of photos on the day and if you head to the show's notes for this episode there's a link that will take you to my Instagram page and all of the photographs. And don't forget to follow Martin Falconer on his Instagram account wimbo underscore head g. Now next week I have another great interview lined up for you. I'm going to be chatting to George Anderson and if the name sounds rather familiar then it should... George is one of the presenters of BBC Scotland, BBC Two's gardening programme, Beach Grove, and I have a fascinating chat talking to George about his career, how he came to Beach Grove, and lots, lots more. I know you're going to enjoy this one. Now, as for me, I'm out in the garden, I'm looking up behind me, and there is a huge dark cloud looking very ominous overhead. 
And unlike Wimbledon, I don't have a mechanical roof to put over the garden, so I'm going to get a little bit of gardening done before the heavens open, and I will then see you next week as always. Bye-bye for now. Bye-bye.